Welcome to the IH Podcast, where we profile fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm William Kumpf. In this episode, Philip Hollingsworth speaks with Lian Trong, Assistant Professor of Art. In their conversation, Professor Trong discusses her current project, inspired by Edward Said's Orientalism, and those that inspired her to become a painter. How is it different being an artist that's a professor versus just being an artist? Just being an artist. You mean how it affects my work? or? Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, let me see. Well, one of the things, one of the benefits, I think, of that is I think that art making is a lot of problem solving. If I was in my studio, I would be limited to solving the problems only in my work. And I think one of the things with working with students is I get to experience such a condensed amount of problem solving because I'm really working individually with these students about their works, you know, and I, I think that that runs my, my knowledge, you know, and um, my abilities to problem solve in a way because their works are so very different. And how does that relate, say, uh, art professor to art professor if you guys talk about what you're doing or does that happen? Oh, um, no, you know, I think, I think as you probably know, the life of academic is very busy, especially when you have families. Yeah. So I think that when I, I work with some fantastic colleagues in our studio and I think that we, there's a lot to talk about when we get together. Um, but, and we do sometimes talk about students, but not necessarily in that kind of manner. Like we don't, like talk I was about, saying talking about your own work or talking about their work. Or. Oh, yeah, no. So um, sometimes we've done some studio visits where we look at each other's work and give, give feedback, which is wonderful. Yeah. And I think that, like, right now, Hong On has a show up in at Lump in Raleigh. So, you know, we support each other that way. And yeah. I helped her install. And then Gina and I have a show at the Weatherspoon, a private show at the Weatherspoon. So there is definitely a lot of, a lot of wonderful opportunities to engage with each other's work. And I have to say, I mean, I one of the, the draws for me for UNC Art Department was I, I looked at the faculty and I just really appreciated the work that people were making and I felt a kinship with that. So, What did you see in their work that made you think, oh, this is where I'd, I'd want to be? Yeah, I think that consistently colleagues are making work that really examines the political and social structure and history within our, you know, within basically our contemporary experience. And they're coming from a very rich perspective, you know, and, and, and they're, they're doing it in a way where it's like a really, I think, critical examination. And, and they're political and socially motivated. And I think that for me, that so was my work. And I felt a real kinship with that. Yeah. So is there a point or a I guess um, I'm, I usually like to la- ask origin stories. Yeah. So what brought you to this career in, in specifically painting? Painting. Or, yeah. <laughs> well, well, when I was 14, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> it can be infancy or no. Yeah, no. Well, well <laughs> I won't go. No. I didn't know anything about painting as an infant. When I was 14, my mother, I think, um, I was a third child, very restless, and she signed me up for an oil painting class because I think she saw that I had a, a little bit of that in me. And it was an after-school program. It was with a crazy woman named Bernice Faulkner. And she taught oil painting to kids, which mm-hmm. is kind of insane if you think about it. It's like her students were from, from age four to, to high school. Anyways, I did that for four years in high school. And then when I went into college, I actually was a science major. But I fell back onto painting. Because I think that for me, you know, my, my, my parents coming 
from Vietnam as refugees, you know, you tell them you want to be an artist, and they're like, no, you will not be an artist. Um, do something practical, of course, you know, make sure you have, you know, you make your, your living. But for me, it became an outlet to work out issues I saw in the world. And so then that's, you know, where I gravitated, and I, be I switched over to art um, without telling my parents. And then I eventually went, went to Mills College for graduate school, and here I am. So... How was that conversation telling them that you're... Well, for two years, they, they talked me out of switching majors, and I actually took time off. Um, oh, okay. And then, then I basically went back and did it without telling them. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then when, I, when I did graduate with an art degree, my father asked me, now you could, you could get a job? And I told him, nope, because <laughs> it was just a bachelor's. <laughs> I walked away very disappointed. So can you talk a little bit about your current project that you're working on now? Yeah, so currently I'm work working on a project that is reinterpreting historical narratives. And um, the, the work combines ideas of Michel Foucault. So I've been using that as sort of this, this sort of conceptual point to create these very abstracted narrative paintings. And, and within them, I am using a hybridity of of oil painting, of linen, of silk, a material of textile, and, and it's gesture painting that is meant sort of like music, like instrumental music, to capture a conflict that is complicated. And so I, I have these gestures that represent different, different textile designs, like merging, assimilating, penetrating each other, and then within that I have these motifs of waters and, of water and, um, and silk. And, you know, so there's there's sort of like this... A very abstracted painting that, in some ways, I'm trying to capture the spirit of the conflict I'm talking about, and I really see them as historical narratives. So the gestures, for me, replace any kind of human figure, but they are the human figure, um, just you know, creating the action of what we're doing in the world. Can you talk a little bit more about the use of, of textile patterns? Because I find that mm -hmm. pretty interesting, and, and how, how you came about to using that as a representation. Yeah. You know, I think, I, you know, I think that for myself, um, I, you know, the concept of identity is really interesting to me. And being, being a Vietnamese refugee and then, and then becoming an American citizen, I think in my travels to Vietnam, which is probably six times now within the last 20 years or, tw yeah, 20 years, you know, the idea of attire is fascinating, but then when I looked into textile designs, and I, I've always been attracted to textile designs, when I look at the history of it, it's this, it itself is this incredible narrative of trade. And within that trade, you have the complications between the ancient East and West, right? And then, um, you know, the, 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 the perceptions of what the East and West are, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah. And then also the hierarchy and power that's involved. Um, and how you know the the exotification of of silk from the east was used to to made the west you know richer and more opulent but it's it's very complicated so I think to embed that to me is really interesting and then when I look into textile the world wall textile trade it's also fascinating when you look at the patterns the patterns tell their own history of how of what narratives were during that time, and then how sometimes you have an aesthetic of a pattern that looks like it's French, but it's actually was made in India for British, you know, for like for British patrons. So you have yeah. it's really fascinating to me. What I didn't realize until I got far into the project was that my own family in Vietnam had an embroidery business on oh, textiles, really? which is I think that for me I don't know 
there's so there's this really interesting um, history I have with it that mm-hmm. I, I think I need to delve deeper. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, what's a book that changed your life? What's a book that changed my life? I think Edward Said's Orientalism changed my life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you get your hands on that? I read it, I believe it wasn't in college. I, I read it in 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredibly dense book. Yeah. A book that I'm reading right now that's also equally fascinating is um, it's called The Silk Roads by Peter Frankopin, and mm-hmm. it's a new history of the world. And it talks more about not textile, but just like the Silk Roads and how they were this like vein of, of trade and the first globalization in, yeah. in the world. Yeah, All right. Well, thank you very much. That was <laughs> thank great. Thank you. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Check back at ih.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.